Hey there, listeners. Welcome to This Humana Life, a podcast for all Humana associates. We have amazing stories to tell and learning experiences to offer. We also believe the best knowledge is knowledge that is shared. Throughout our podcast journey, you'll hear advice from thought leaders, gain insights into areas of expertise other than your own, and hear the inspiring stories of others. This production is made possible with the support of the Women's Network Resource Group and by the dedication of our core team. I'm Tara DeLucia. I'm Carmen Pantoja Evans. I'm Brittany LaMere. And this podcast is produced by Melissa Nichols. We're looking forward to hearing what topics are important to you. Join the conversation in our buzz group by visiting go forward slash THL. Also, make sure to text the acronym THL to 239-355 to have new episodes sent straight to your mobile Thursday morning. So we want to thank you for being in the studio today, Alan Wheatley. Uh, your time is precious, and we, we just appreciate it. Please tell us a little bit about yourself and the snapshot of your career journey and what brought you to Humana. Oh, gosh. Um, I've been here 28 years, so it's a long journey. It's been been a great ride. Uh, I started with Humana right out of college as an entry-level finance accounting person and, uh, you know, wasn't sure this was the company I wanted to work for or the career I wanted to have. I was looking to get a little bit of experience and then figure out what my next move was going to be. But, you know, that that was 28 years ago and it never really, you know, I guess never really decided to leave. Had a variety of opportunities. Uh, but what Humana did was Humana gave me more and more opportunities to learn and grow and, and work for a company that, that evolved and challenged me and uh, and eventually made its way to what it is today, one of the nation's leading healthcare companies. And uh, I'm proud of the work that we do and, and uh, proud of, of how we work hard to serve the customers that we serve and, and the business that I, I help manage. We have 8 million seniors, at average age of my customers, 72 years old. And, mm-hmm. and we do a lot to improve their health and uh, we'll work on health outcomes and do a lot to support them financially and give them peace of mind and help them work through a very complex health care system mm-hmm. uh, and take great pride in that. And, and also, uh, also take great pride in what we're doing on the Medicaid side. While it's lesser known and, and doesn't receive the headlines as the Medicare mm-hmm. Advantage business, we're, uh, we're busy trying to build uh, a, a large Medicaid portfolio serving the needs of states and uh, the constituents in that states, uh, such that we can improve their health outcomes as well, and and that that that's exciting. While we only have 450,000 uh, members today, and, and mostly in Florida, we're, we're we're busy trying to replicate what we're doing in Florida across a variety of other states. I just thought it was interesting. The average age is 72. That's pretty cool. Ed, absolutely, and you know, just think about when you're 72, which I'm not yet. I'm I'm actually 52. So, so in 20 years, the only thing I know about me is I'll be less healthy than I am today. Mm. Uh, and, and, you know, I understand the, the healthcare system very, very well, but most people don't interact with it every day like we do. And, and you know, when you're 72, you're less healthy and, and you're, you're dealing and interacting with a system that's very fragmented and very hard to understand and very confusing and, and coming at you in a lot of different ways. And, and the help and support and guidance we provide can help make that journey easier and um, uh, can help you get the help that you need 
with the best providers out there uh, as fast as possible so you can get about living your life and not worrying about your health as mo- any more than you have to. So but it's been, it's been a great ride. This is my hometown. I was born and raised that's here. That's what I wanted to ask you. That's what I thought. So you're a Louisville native. Do you yes, say ma'am. Louisville or Louisville? I say, um, I say Louisville. We were named mm. after King Louis the Sixteenth. There you go. And, and uh, so if you're named after King Louis, it's Louisville. That's and all right. those other pronunciations don't make any sense. And I was, I'm, I'm a native of Louisville. Awesome. And I do find myself kind of uh, teetering between the two, right? <laughs> But uh, well, so Louisville. What's the right way, though? It's Louisville. I'm from Florida. It's, it's Louisville. Louisville. So I would say Louisville. No, you should not. We were <laughs> named after King Louis the Sixteenth. It's, it's Louisville. I will tell you, there are posters <laughs> plastered throughout the city that gives you all those these different ways to pronounce it. I know it's very confusing. Yes. Yeah, I'm I'm one of those people that probably pronounce it the the right way. Everybody else says it different ways. <laughs> And I'm, it's all good. So what part of Louisville did you grow up in? I grew up in the South End. Ah. I, I'm a, a public school kid, went to Moore High School. Mm-hmm. So if you're familiar with Louisville mm-hmm. at all, so well, uh, it's, it's out uh, off Outer Loop. So. I am very familiar. I grew up in J-Town. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So Thank you yeah. grew up in the East End as far as I'm concerned. Yes, yeah, well, you're in South End, boy. <laughs> I get it. I get it. So by, based on what you were saying, you know, that is your overall mission and goal. That was the Humana Retail's organization overall mission and goal is to make it better for uh, members that are in that average age or heading to or right after. Yeah, I just think you know, as you think about what we try to do as a company, and, and you, you've heard Bruce on the well, last week on the All Leader webcast uh, really talk about health, health outcomes. Uh, and, and making the experience simpler for customers. And that, that's what, that's that's our mantra in retail as well. We're trying to figure out how do we improve the health of the customers we serve and make the healthcare system easier to understand and, and help them navigate uh, the, the complexities of the system. And that's what we're very, very focused on. And uh, we, we've had a variety of successes in uh, 2019 and looking forward to a lot more in 2020. You know. Uh, I'll just point to one quick success or one success. You know, we, we've talked about, you've heard a lot about how much we've grown our Medicare portfolio. We're going to grow 500, uh, over 500,000 Medicare Advantage lives this year. And, and um, I, that, I'm very proud of that because it means a variety of things. It, one, it's an indicator that, that we're serving our customers well because customers, all of our customers have choices and lots of choices. And in any given market area, there's probably more than 20 available plans to, from, from which you can choose. And, and if more people are choosing us than anyone else, that's an indicator that we've put a product on the market that, that meets their needs. Mm-hmm. And it's also an indicator that the 4 million members that we have are uh, like our products and services enough to stay. So, so gr- growth is important. Uh, for that reason, because it, it's it's an indicator for uh, how competitive you are and how much your customers like your product. It's also, to me, an important indicator of our company's health, because healthy, vibrant companies grow, and and that that, that that's important to to me for a variety of reasons. Because uh, uh, managing the health of our company is one of one of my roles, uh, but it's also I, I I like creating jobs. I, I like an organization that's growing and thriving. And I like to create opportunities for people in our markets to come join uh, what we do and be a part of our mission. 
as we grow our membership and grow our company, we can grow our associate base and get more people involved with the mission that we have to serve our customers. So growing to me is, is such an important part of who we are and what we're doing. And we're doing it on the Medicaid side as well. It's not just Medicare. We won the Louisiana Medicaid contract. Uh, we're, we're in the protest period today and we have to manage through that. But we were the only uh, new bidder that, that won a contract. and. I think it says a lot about what the state of Louisiana thinks about what we do as an enterprise focused on you know, value-based care and our bold goal and, and, and working in ways to help serve the needs of the state of the population of Louisiana. So really excited about growth and we're going we're gonna to create uh, several hundred jobs in the state of Louisiana, which is, which is awesome, and then several hundred more across the enterprise supporting Louisiana. That's all fantastic news because, I mean, there's there's three forms of growth here. There's the growth of our memberships because they like our product, and there's the growth of our, the associate uh, of Humana itself because it it we're helping our the associates as well as the members uh, that are purchasing the product, and then you're growing our associate population. They want to be here. That's fantastic. A triple crown there. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. And I wanted to kind of highlight that again, because I know winning the Louisiana contract bid was a, a really big success for our organization. And we also just won the bid for Kentucky Medicaid. Um, am I c- correct in saying that? Well, I, I, I would say kind of. What, what we're doing is is we've had a partnership in Kentucky for for, I guess, most of the last seven years with a company called CareSource. They're the largest Medicaid organization in Ohio. And, and while we have the um, contract on uh, what I'll call Humana Insurance Paper, CareSource manages it and has managed it uh, for years. So, so they have it all on their systems, all, all, all part of their processes, and um, uh, they've taken the risk. Now what we've done is, is we're ending our relationship with CareSource effective January 1 of 2020. So for the next seven months, we're going to be managing that contract. Uh, and so, so we'll have it on our platform, our systems. So, so I think that's, that's more of what you're referring to. We are currently in the RFP process. We've already submitted our RFP, and we expect to hear back from the state uh, in the next, I'd say, 30 to 90 days. Uh, you know, states kind of uh, move around on you, and it's, mm-hmm. it's hard to pin them down on exact dates. But but I expect to hear from the state of Kentucky in the very near future. Uh, and and uh, that given that this is our, our home state, my home, my hometown, uh, that it's, uh, I think it's real important that, that we win. And we feel very excited about it. And, and I'm hoping that you'll invite me back in July and I can tell you about the victory. Absolutely. And an RFP is an acronym for? Uh, request for Proposal. Thank so, you. So when, a, when an organization, when a state wants to... Uh, figure out who their managed care companies are. They'll put out the request for proposal, and companies will respond. And, and, and based on the responses, the state will pick the winners. You are listening to This Humana Life with co-hosts Tara DeLucia, Carmen Pantoja Evans, Brittany LaMare, and our special guest. Be sure to text THL to 239-355 to have new episodes sent straight to your mobile or share with us on Yammer at go slash THL. And I want to go back to the average age is 72. The digital mindset, 
Can you share more about the importance of having a digital mindset and how the digital world continues to impact the healthcare industry? Well, a variety of ways. Uh, you know, more and more of my customers continue to have smartphones mm-hmm. and go digital first and how they research information. And, and so, so, so digital is becoming a, a, a larger and larger part of how our customers are going to interact with us and how individuals who are looking for health plans to purchase interact with us. So, so it's very important that you, you have an omni-channel focus uh, that includes a big digital component as you think about, as you think about growing. Uh, that, that's one. Two, two, as we think about the ability for digital and technology in general to really improve the connections and really create an interoperable environment uh, for how we operate with our customers, how we interact with hospitals, how we interact with specialists, primary care physicians, uh, and the like. It really creates a, an opportunity to share information quickly, share it more real time, and get information to primary care physicians at the point of influence for customers when when their our customer, our member, and their patient is sitting in the exam room and we can push information to a primary care physician's uh, laptop into their EMR such that they get an alert to say, here's a, here's a gap in care. This individual hasn't had um, cancer screening for X kind of cancer in uh, X number of years, so we probably need to address that even though they're in your office because they have flu-like symptoms. So it allows the, it allows the primary care physician uh, to look more holistically about how to think about caring for their patients. And that's how I think about digital, and that's how mm-hmm. I think about technology broadly, and this great opportunity we have to really improve the way health care is delivered. It's delivered. We're, we're really changing the ability and the information for our providers in these value-based arrangements to, to care for the, the whole patient rather than just that certain points of illness that they're in there to see. So I was really excited to see the partnership with Epic come around because to me, I feel that us moving forward uh, as, as to being more involved with the providers that are out there that are seeing our members. I, I agree with you. I actually had a chance to go to the Epic campus. They had a uh, a large conference where they brought in all the, the hospital administrators and hospital CEOs and had a chance to get up and talk to them about what we've, what we've done and what we're doing with Epic and how these hospital CEOs should embrace this opportunity to connect with us and other payers through the Epic uh, electronic medical record technology to improve health outcomes and help drive value uh, to their to their enterprise, you had a lot of their CFOs in in the room, so I'm just trying to make sure they understand uh, if if they get more involved and leverage the interoperability and leverage the data sharing opportunities, primary care physicians can drive better health outcomes, which can drive more value through uh, through what you mentioned in the value based relationships. So the, these these hospitals and doctors will get paid more for doing better things for their customers. And that's ultimately what value-based care is all about. I want to say uh, thank you for taking on the role of the WNRG executive sponsor. It's fantastic. We thank you for doing that. So creating sustainable NRG means the group is successful at navigating challenges such as demonstrating their value to the organization. From your perspective, 
How does NRGs bring value to Humana? I think NRGs are vitally important, and what what a lot of folks probably don't realize is uh, I was on a group of people that that our prior CEO, um, Mike McAllister, commissioned probably 10 years ago. What is it, 2019? Okay, 13 years ago, mm-hmm. to evaluate uh, culture and, uh, and diversity. And one of the things that we recommended was that the, the company allow associates to create network resource groups. Mm-hmm. So I was happy to see Mike and the management team at that time uh, adopt that recommendation. And so, so um, I'm proud to see all the, the NRGs thriving today. And, and um, they, they mean a lot. I mean, I, I, I think of them first and foremost, candidly, as, as a, an associate engagement activity because we have so many new associates across so many places in, in the company, and uh, it, not not all of them you know, are are in either Green Bay or Louisville or places like that where everybody knows everybody. And sometimes it's hard to get involved, and it's hard to get engaged, and it's hard to care as much about the mission. And and what what the network resource groups do is is they give they give you an opportunity to get connected, to meet people. To understand how, how to network across the company, which is so so important uh, for new associates in particular, and and allows you to understand different perspectives and you know get connected with folks that that are are like-minded mm-hmm. with you in some way or mm-hmm. like you in some way, and and I think that that that's important, and I'm super excited about the uh, the the women's NRG in particular because it, for one it's the largest and I think most act most active mm-hmm. or one of the most active of the NRGs, and, and to me it, it, it stands for so many things. I think others are trying to figure out how to how they get more involved with the NRGs in, in, ter- in solving business problems, and, and that's good too, but retaining our associates and getting more people on board with our mission is helping solve a business problem by itself, and, and that, that to me is really, really important, and I'm, I'm super proud of, um, of the success of, of uh, the NRGs over the past uh, 13 years and, and uh, was considered it an honor to be asked to be one of the executive sponsors mm-hmm. of the Women's Energy. Well, thank you. And I echo everything you said there. And I think by hearing people like you, uh, leadership, talk about the how NRGs are so important, network resource groups are important to connect the uh, associate population, uh, speaks volumes. And, and to that, um, and maybe for some of the other NRGs that are trying to uh, have more membership, just to know that you can belong to every NRG because you identify in various ways with each one. So as for me, uh, you know, I belong to all of them because I identify in in different ways with each one. And uh, so, but to hear leadership talk about it in the way you did and that you saw the inception of it, that you were part of the um, core group that made it happen. That's, I'm sure it has really evolved out through in your vision. It's been great, and, and, and I, I continue to see more NRGs pop up, and, and um, more and more people get involved, and, and it's something, because I'm on the Executive uh, uh, Inclusion and Diversity Council, so it's one of the things we track and monitor. Mm-hmm. And that's it for this episode, but the conversation isn't over. Make sure to catch part two next week. You can share with us on buzz at go forward slash THL. And don't forget to subscribe by texting THL to 239
1-800-273-8355. We want to thank you for spending time with us this week. We can use our guiding behaviors and speak up with candor to share our Humana stories through this podcast. Let's keep the conversation going together about this Humana life. Until next time, be intentional, stay curious, and inspire others.